0: Good morning. My name is Scott Heron. As you heard earlier from Matt, uh, I get to lead a church called Riverside, which is a daughter of this place. And so uh, as a handful of people have uh, said, welcome home to me this morning, I truly do feel that is a privilege to be here with you always. Uh, and to, you need to know how important you are well beyond these walls. Uh, to many people all around the world in fact I was just thinking a moment ago because of the effort strength and faithfulness of this church that has planted Riverside this morning there are I think 17 women in Uganda uh, that are doing all kinds of amazing ministry because of Riverside and so as parents uh, I just wanted to know what your kids were up to And also to thank you, as ever, for who you are. Would you join me in the Shema as we proclaim our common faith? Shema Israel. Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Eloheinu. Adonai Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. If you uh, are interested, grab uh, the Bibles that are in front of you. These nice red ones are very pretty. Um, and uh, we will look up together in Matthew chapter 6. If you'd like to read along uh, or watch as I do, um, you'll take a quick privilege for that scriptural moment. I'll give you a second. Some of you I know will look it up on your phone. That works too. So, Matthew 6. I'll begin at verse Nine. it says this, pray, this in, pray then in this way our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as also we have forgiven our debtors And do not bring us into a time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. These are the very words of God. You may be seated. Now, it's really very interesting if we begin to look at what's going on right here in this scripture, because the Lord's Prayer is a powerful and important piece of our common heritage. It is a piece of our spiritual DNA and an important one. Uh, when um, this moment comes along, it's kind of interesting. If you think about who's standing there and what they're doing, it, it's the disciples with Jesus, as often happens. But they ask him kind of a, I don't know, a strange question if we think about what's, what's happening. They, they said, would you teach us to pray? Now, what we know about these guys is that they have been religious their whole lives. They've gone to religious schools. They've been in religious homes. They're, they come from an area which is probably most commonly thought about as, uh, even in the Talmudic times, all the things that come out of that era and that place in the Galilee, especially at this time, are some of the most important revelatory interpretations of Scripture of all time. It's a powerful thing. It's almost like looking at the Galilee and Capernaum, where Jesus called home specifically as saying it's like Harvard, Princeton, and the University of Texas, all combined into one place. You can well imagine. Imagine. And so when these things come out it's strange for uh, the disciples to say something as basic as will you teach us to pray especially because they don't seem to ask a question like that will you teach us this or will you teach us that in any other place so what in the world's going on You know what's the what's happening here and what's happening here is really quite interesting if you look at the context there is a prayer called the Amida so say Amida Good And Amidah is a prayer in the first century It's been shaped and changed a little since then But in the first century It was a prayer that was said every morning And it was the kind of prayer Where you say a line that you've memorized And then you sort of fill in the prayers of your day Does that make sense? So a line that you memorized And then whatever's going on for that day And that's what they would do And they had been doing that for a long time An ancient prayer when Jesus showed up Which is kind of a fascinating thing to think about But what was happening then is that this kind of beautiful piece of tradition uh, was being kind of shaped and changed a little bit by the different disciples that would come to their particular rabbi and they would say to their rabbi, teach us to pray. Now, that was a phrase that basically meant, will you, our rabbi, teach us, your disciples, your version of this tradition so that we can know how you interpret it, so that we can know how to Live it. And so when they ask him this question, they're essentially inviting him to reshape a common tradition so that it can live inside them and they can know what to pass on. What's most important and why? And so Jesus is changing or uh, illustrating or coloring or just, it's beautiful to think about how he invests in their hearts in this moment to something that they had already known. Teach us to pray. I have a particularly intimate and personal relationship with this prayer. Um, My grandmother, her name is Dorothy Gertrude Ryan. And her uh, maiden name is Drager. So Dorothy Gertrude Drager. And um, she'll be furious at me later that I said her whole name because she doesn't like much of it. Uh, she's always like, that's the oldest name in the world. Makes you sound like an old lady. And I said, well, Granny, you're 97. And I know in this room that's young, but in other rooms that's not. Right? And she uh, was known to me as Granny. And she was known actually to everybody that ever got around her as Granny. Uh, my friends called her Granny, my sister, uh, my cousins. She was Granny, Granola, Granny the Great, She was all kinds of things. When we got to go stay at Granny's house, we got to have cookies and cakes and basically everything. And so we went back and forth between... Oh, and she also had cable, which we didn't have at home. So it was just like like a vacation in her living room, you know? Eat as much as you want. Watch all kinds of things you never see. All this kind of amazing stuff, right, that we got to experience when we went to Granny's. And so we would love to do that. Cheering from the younger. I'm appreciative. Um... And so we would go there, but one of the things that Granny did, and I've asked all of my cousins, and every single one of us had this same exact experience. What she would do uh, is that at some point she decided that she was going to teach us all, by heart, the Lord's Prayer. It was something she was just going to do. Uh, and you know when grandmothers, grandfathers get something in their head... That's going to happen. And so uh, what she would do is we would sleep in these little twin beds. And we'd get to go and stay with um, Pops and Granny. And um, she would come in to tuck us in. And she would sit down on the very edge of the bed. And she would say, now, Scott, let's pray. And I'd say, okay. And she'd say, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Something that Jesus taught the disciples. Okay. And then she would pray. I'd close my eyes. She'd pray, and I'd listen to my grandmother pray. Then after a few times, right, we'd done this, she'd say, you know, why don't you pray with me? I think you can start to remember this. Okay. So she'd pray. And I'd, our father, you know, heaven, got that part, yep. Hollywood, weird word, for whatever reason, stuck in my head. So I'm like, Hollywood, know that one, you know, that's weird. You know, don't know what it means, but I remembered it. We would go through it, and then, and then we would do this, and we would do this for a while, maybe years, I don't know, for, you know, a kid. It's just brownies and the Lord's Prayer, as far as I remember. And, and then I remember this one day, she stopped, she's sitting at the bed, and she said, Scott, let's pray, okay, let's pray the Lord's Prayer, okay. And she said, why don't you pray it and let me listen? I think you know it. And I thought, I think I do. And so here I was, what, four or five years old, maybe six, and I just closed my eyes and just prayed the Lord's Prayer. And I remember I said, Amen. And I looked up at my grandmother and she was looking at me with those steely blue eyes that always held just absolutely boundless love for me. And she said, Amen. It's a prayer then that has become kind of a part of who I am. But it's funny because strange things can happen to you across the course of your life. And one of the things that happened to me that was strange was you can get caught up in this idea that you should kind of abandon all of these little things that you memorized when it comes to church. That these traditions of the church are really oppressive in some way. And I suppose they can be. We always have to be careful. Jesus was pretty careful when he was talking to the Pharisees that some of the traditions that they experienced had become oppressive. And yet at the same time, mostly that was about their hearts and not the traditions themselves. And my heart turned at one point to all, away from all of these things. And so my problem was I didn't want to pray these prayers that, like the Lord's Prayer, I'm just saying words, man. You know, I sound like a really bad Texas hippie. But like that was the thing, right? Like I can't. I'm just not, I don't, like, I'm just saying it. Sometimes I even pray the prayer and I don't even remember that I said it. You know, just roll it right out, fine, whatever. And so I stopped and I was like, I need to pray as the Holy Spirit leads me, right? And that's good. And I've learned that. And it's been a powerful thing. And people have mentored me in that experience. And I've grown to where I love it and everything that comes with it. And there's great power in listening to the Holy Spirit and praying But what it did to me, though, and what I chose is that I turned away from all these prayers and all this world that was allowing me something quite different, something really, really crucial, something that I think I stepped away from and have in the last few years begun to step right back into because the patterns of love that I see in scriptural experience. See, because what I think actually the Lord's Prayer does for us is something incredibly powerful. What I think we're doing when we say the Lord's Prayer or anything like that is we're rehearsing something important. We rehearse. Now, there's a little known fact about me that I'm about to out, uh, and I'm sorry for that. But uh, I have been in many musicals, okay? Now, don't fear, I'm not about to sing. Uh, and the reason I tell you that is because ultimately the reason that you haven't heard that I'm in musicals is for the reason that I'm not going to sing. Does that make sense? But one of the things that he did when I was a little kid is that our church, one of the traditions of our church was we put together these massive musicals. We did huge Broadway productions in downtown Austin where we built these great big stages. We, we hired directors and choreographers and all these people came in. And, and then it was like half the University of Texas choral ensemble and half you know, Bill that teaches you Sunday school. So it's kind of awesome, you know. And I was different people and different. I was Jake and Annie, get your gun. I was the oldest son in the sound of music. I was a lot of different things along the way. I remember my father was Jed in Oklahoma, who is the bad guy that is eventually killed. And that happened when I was little. So I would sit there and I'd be watching this whole thing. And somebody would come in and say, Scott, come with me. We're going to go have a snack. And we would leave. And now as an adult, I find out that they would come in and get me before old Jed got killed. So that I didn't see my father get killed over and over and over in the middle of church, I guess. But, you know, God bless those people that take care of the kids, right? And take care of me. But here's this thing that would happen to us when we would do this musical we would get down into the basement of the church and we would practice and practice and practice and practice months. We would practice hours on end sing he sing this stand there do you remember your lines you need to do it without the script now over and over and over make sure that you're here at this time in this place and everything else and now that you know all these things make it real like make, and i'm like i'm always thinking like how can real be we all break out into music right but that's okay like i know what they meant and so i would kind of flow into that and all these things would kind of happen and we would do this stuff we would practice and practice and practice i don't know if you've ever done this with anything in your life but i've been able to been Love music, love it. You practice something, and the first few times you do it, you love it. Like, this is the most interesting thing that I've ever done. I can't believe we get to do it, and I get to do it with all of you people. You're amazing. And then somewhere along the line, you begin to think, this is the most boring, meaningless, ridiculous. I can't stand that I'm actually doing it. And all of you people are the worst people I've ever met in my entire life. I don't want to be around you. I don't want anything to do with it. And then right before the show actually goes on, you think, This is the greatest musical ever written, and I can't imagine a cast as brilliant as all of you, right? It's this funny little process that we go to as we mature into the people that we're called to be in those little moments. And rehearsal was crucial. You see, because rehearsal provided us with an understanding of what was actually going to happen on the stage when all the people came from all over the city. The Lord's Prayer is rehearsal. It is something that we say over and over again. And that we love when we learn. And maybe even like me, you step away because you think, "But boy, when it comes to the rest of the world coming to see who we are, we would better have an idea. You ever wonder who you are, why you're here? What's going on? Maybe it's because in part we've stepped out onto the stage without rehearsal. It's wonderful to know your lines. It's wonderful to know the choreography. It's wonderful to know that you are called to be the the greatest heart in the room that you can possibly be. To love well on behalf of Jesus the best way that you can. It's wonderful to know how to respond. It takes time. It takes rehearsing. And Jesus looks at those disciples and he says, let me teach you a piece of the infrastructure that you will build the structure of your life on. Let me show you a piece of your spiritual DNA that if you will allow it to govern your life, to be the rudder of your ship, then you'll be able to navigate any storm. says our Father. Love that. doesn't say my Father. You ever notice that? I got teased relentlessly for about, I don't know, a month out at Riverside because we were going to do a series on the Lord's Prayer, and they had it broken up into sections, and I couldn't get past the word our. The idea that this prayer in its spiritual structure is not about you, and it's not about me, but it's about us, is profound our very identity in the eye and the heart of God is not built around who we are individually but who we are as community right in the beginning our father father not even about like like how god can be, we're in His laboratory or, or in some way where like His playthings or something else going on. Sometimes we talk about that like, oh, God does this to people or oh, God does that to people. No, He doesn't. We are His children. We live in a broken and wounded, imperfect world. He loves us like the perfect Father that He is with grace and mercy, clarity and boundaries and hope. Our relationship with Him as children with the Father. No more, no less. Ever. He says he's in heaven. Where's heaven? Gosh, that gets weird, right? We often think about it some distant place. and Jesus is so clear when he says, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And when he says near, he doesn't mean in time. What he means is near like your breath is near to you. Available. Right here. Our Father, who loves us together, is right here. Oh, man. That begins to build something to me in a really different sort of way. He he says, let's, let's give us our, our daily bread. And then this pictures of manna for my six-year-old. I asked him, I was like, what does it mean to have our daily bread? You know, and uh, Kylan's like, tortillas. Like, I know what that is. Like, our daily bread is tortillas, you know, which is great. Uh, And at least he'll eat something. He's six. But it's more than that. It's yes to sustain us. Please, Father. And if you have ever been around absolute poverty, you know that there's an incredible prayer in that. But there's also the prayer that says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's the words of God that become a part of us, integrated into our very souls, that allow us to become anything Worthwhile at all, and that's delivered by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, and by His Spirit that informs our own. On Earth as it is in Heaven. That's a good one, right? Like what I usually do. I realize this. I was praying this. What I usually do is I say, "Around me as the best version that I've seen before in the world." What I really want to do is say, "Well, they do it really well, so we should do it really well here." And God says, "Nope." That's the lowest version. What I want you to do is actually say, on earth, around you, like it is in its perfection and its beauty when it's governed by love. Entirely. That's you. You have to practice that, you have to rehearse that. Right? There's incredible power in all that. Forgive. Whoops. Hello. Forgiveness. Forgive, forgive, in that version. Forgive in the version that says, on earth as it is in heaven. Not on earth as it is in a better part of earth. Which is what we're kind of weirdly talking about right now in the news, right? With all that South Carolina stuff. How can these people possibly forgive? I don't know. Look, forgiveness from a Christian perspective is not about acceptance. Ever. We never have to accept what somebody has done. There are things that we have done that God can never accept they're wrong they're brokenness they're vile they happen he doesn't accept them he forgives them forgiveness is about restoration it's about not giving free rent to the brokenness in your head we rehearse a lot don't we because the truth is it's not about whether you're rehearsing it's what you're rehearsing Think about this. You ever, you ever do the practice speeches? i got to do the practice speeches like this. If I could just slow down enough to get that guy to roll down his window, I would explain to him what a ridiculous idiot he is as he's driving down 281. Here are the three things that I would share with him that would be convicting in such a way that he might not ever drive again. <laughs> ever. Right? Or how about this one? When you're talking to your spouse, and you and your spouse start that tiny little argument in a public space, so you don't really want to have the argument, but you both know, oh, it's on later. You know, right? Yeah, I know. Do you know? Yeah, I know. And so later, you know, she may have forgotten, or I, whatever, she may have forgotten, but I have practiced so many speeches, if she says this, I'm going to say this, and then she's not going to know, I'm going to be like, yeah, you know, how about this part? <laughs> right? And we do this ridiculous stuff where we practice these speeches in our heads. We even start to believe things about people because somebody told us they thought they might have heard of this. And we say, well, I can't believe. That's just horrific. I tell you what they will They'll never, ever. And we practice it. And then we actually make decisions based on something that we don't know because of a series of practiced thoughts about something that's not true you're rehearsing you're made for it the issue is what are you rehearsing because it'll show up on the stage of your life and you and i go where did that come from rehearsal rehearsal like that picture if you've ever been to a minor league baseball game where they get two people out of the crowd and I don't know what it is about us but the moment that we come out of the crowd and onto the field we'll do anything for a t-shirt you know like "Ah, give us one of your children which one I want a t-shirt you know it's crazy and one of the things that they'll generally do uh, I've seen a couple times it's one of my favorites is they get a bat right and they get these two people and they have bats and they take their forehead and they put it down on the bat just like this right and what they do is they, they go around and around and around on the bat while everybody counts to ten. Ten, or, not, or down from ten. Ten, nine, eight. And they're spinning around, spinning around. And then they're out by third base. And so they do this for ten seconds. Everybody's chanting. And then they, they race home. And, and, of course, they're dizzy. And so it's, like, all over the place. One person runs the first base. The other crashes into the dugout. And everybody's like, yeah! You know, they love it. Right? And whoever gets home first wins a t-shirt or a hot dog or, or nothing. Just cheering. It depends on... I guess what you're doing, but here's, here's the thing that happens when, when we rehearse the dark, wounded, broken lies, when we decide that as Jack Frost says about the devil, which is the part he read at the very end of this uh, scripture, which is always interesting how we avoid this conversation, temptation and the devil come in our real. And the way that Jack Frost talks about it is this. He says that the devil comes as an angel of light and tells you the truth according to you. The facts are interpreted according to your and my self-focused nature. That's the whisper in your mind. And what he really wants you to do is to get a bat and put it on your forehead and say, I can't believe she'd say that and over and over and over. And then about the time that it's time for the stage show, about the moment that you're supposed to run home, the rest of us get to watch you stagger to first base Not your intention or mine at all. What are you rehearsing? Who is directing? Jesus puts this in our hands and says, Here, this is simple. You can remember. I'll sit at the end of the bed and we'll go through it together. And when you find a way to pray it, open your eyes and hear me say, Amen. I talked to my grandmother yesterday. Uh, She's hilarious. Praying for us this morning. Probably the Lord's Prayer. I thanked her. And if you haven't had an opportunity to thank the people that have built your faith, you should. Because an enormous reason why I stand in front of you right now is because of a 97-year-old woman who sat on the end of my bed. And then she got up and showed me what living that prayer out looked like. But she knew how. And here, in the sunset of her days, fearlessly, she shows us all what that looks like too. But I suppose we should expect that. She's been rehearsing. Will you pray with me? So Father, we are grateful that You give us the pieces that we need to rehearse our own minds and hearts by Your Spirit now and in this place that You teach us and shape us and train us. Help us to rehearse that which gives life and to let that which takes it go. Father, help us to believe in You with half the measure you believe in us, and transform the world around us by the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name and with his words that we pray and live. Amen.